0: All right, it's time for the Legends of Sports update here on ESPN Radio 94.1 on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. Matt Hatfield here with you, and we're pleased to be joined by a Hall of Famer, the guy that wore jersey number 64 for the Green Bay Packers. Lombardi's team, player, author, commentator, 11-year career with the Packers, Hall of Fame inductee in 2018, one of the best offensive linemen of all time. We're talking about Jerry Kramer, brought to us today from our friends, Coach Charles Hatch, the living legend of Norview High School, Sports Inside and Out, sportsinsideandout.com, and orthopedic surgeon Steve Cummings. Uh, Coach Hatcher, we got ourselves a special one who can give us some great oh, stories yeah. from the Lombardi Packer days.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we were talking on the other uh, podcast, man. Uh, you know, Jerry, I mean, our, our affiliation, we're going to tell all about our age. We're probably launching gifted, I should say. <laughs> I'll put it as that. But we're going a long ways back, and uh, – even when we were doing some things, when they was at the uh, at the Day with the with the uh, Globetrotters, and you know in the past we used to do, and hopefully God willing, we'll we'll bring this back. Every Super Bowl, Matt, we would do the uh, Hall of Fame and, and, and NFL alumni, one of the most uh, sought-after venues and programs during Super Bowl, and we had every. jockey, uh, I Matt. We had every. A uh, living Hall of Famer, living All-Pro, any uh, football team, their top-rated stars was with us constantly. Uh, Jerry, I think we did that thing many a year, Jerry. I think it was over 20 years plus. And, uh, yeah, it was a we, long time. Yeah, it was a long it, time, and it was oh a really son. good time. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty interesting, especially in Hawaii. I, I like that one. But, you <laughs> know, the worst one we ever had, man, we were in Detroit at the Super Bowl. It was yeah. the worst Super Bowl in history. It
0: took us a half hour to get from the hotel to the to the indoor arena at Ford. I said, oh. "Man, this is madness." Was that the Steelers? Was that the Steelers Seahawks Super Bowl? Was that Super Bowl Forty? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a rough one, and Seahawks fans are still mad about the officiating in that game. But let's uh, jump into it, Coach Hatcher, with the guy who also was known as the best knuckleball kicker in the NFL, too, to go with his excellent blocking there with those uh, fa- famous sweet plays for the Packers. Uh, Jerry Kramer with us. Jerry, it's a pleasure. And uh, let me start with you first. I know you were a finalist ten times before you finally got that call to the Hall there. Um, what did that mean to you a couple years back, getting that Hall of Fame call?
2: Well, you know, it, it was uh, a bitter disappointment a number of times, and in the 97, I was in New Orleans expecting to be inducted, and it didn't happen, and so it was uh, doubly painful, because I had, ever, and everybody else told me we were going in, and it was going to be wonderful, and on and on, so I got my little uh, lip out just a little bit, and I pouted a little bit, and I got angry a little bit, and I Said, you know who cares and you know it, it doesn't mean that much anyway and I've been here and I've been there and I finally one stormy night sitting there drinking a beer and well you're a damn fool and you're a liar because it does mean a lot it means everything and especially at this point in your career when you're no longer going to be playing it's the only thing left so when it happened a few years later I had accepted the that I was not going into the Hall of Fame. And I had made a story up that I had had a wonderful life and that I had wonderful experiences and I had been five-time world champ, uh, been the best guard in history for the first 50 years. And I had had a lot of honors and a lot of wonderful moments. And I had no right to be upset because somebody didn't give me one honor. That's kind of stupid. So I, I kind of came to an accommodation with all of that and a, a, agreed that it was a wonderful game and it was a wonderful time and I had had a wonderful career with a great coach and a great bunch of guys and I had no room to bitch. I had nothing to to cry about. It's just been a wonderful ride. So I kind of got uh, used to that and I was just kind of getting comfortable with it and the call came that I had been nominated again for the 11th time and uh, we're in the hotel in
0: Minneapolis
2: and Mr. Baker who is uh, the head of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he's 6'9 mm-hmm. and about 350 <laughs> and uh, I was uh, an a, a, a older player who had been nominated to a different group and so I thought they would get to me first And that the uh, knock on the door, they were going to come knock on your room. I got all my kids, six, eight kids, and friends and family, and 15 or 20 of us in the room. And so uh, I'm looking at the clock, and it's supposed to be finished at 4, and it's 3 o'clock. And now it's 3.15, and now it's 3.20. And finally, there's a knock on the door. And I jump up and run to the door, and I'm all pumped up, and it's the maid. (laughs) And she's (laughs) got to look like a a, a rabbit in a headlight, right? Mm She is. what's going on? And I said, oh, never mind, never mind. We're going to be a little while. So about 10 minutes later, there's a boom, boom, boom knock on the door. And it it wasn't any question who that was. There's only one guy big enough to make that kind of noise. So I went over to the door and I go, I opened the door, and he's laughing and giggling, and he puts his arms out and gives me a big hug. And I said, you are the most beautiful man I have ever seen anywhere, anytime. And I was selected to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and my children were all there, and my pals were there. And it was a seminal moment, you know, just one of, one of a kind and a great, uh, a great honor and a great thrill be a part of it and it's been uh, hasn't diminished a a spot in the in the ensuing
0: That is so awesome. And of course, you were the uh, member of the NFL's 50th anniversary team, the only one not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame until you got that call, member of the 60s first team all decade. And um, one of the things you said at your induction speech, Jerry, was uh, something that your high school coach had told you, and that was, you can, if you will, how many flashbacks did you have during the speech, that moment when you finally got told you were going in from all the upbringing days, your days back in Idaho and everything, getting up to that point?
2: Well, that was a, that was a beginning for me And uh, as a freshman in high school. We had a coach named Dusty Klein, older fella, and uh, he came over to me one day, and I was kind of gawky. I was a little awkward and a little i would grown about a foot in the last year, and so I was I was struggling a little bit. And he came over and uh, grabbed a hold of my hand. He said, "Son, you got big." and uh, and that was social marty uh, part of that too he was he chewed my tail unmercifully one day and then came running up to me and got next to my nose and he said mr concentration here college students five minutes high school with three minutes kindergarten is 30 seconds you don't have that so where's that put you <laughs> uh, well it's me checking my shoe shine and thinking about leaving and what am i going to do and i'm never going to make this and it gave me a picture and it gave me an encouragement to continue to strive and continue to push
0: and it changed my attitude and changed my life. We're talking with the Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer Jerry Kramer here on our Legends of Sports update, brought to us by Steve Cummings, the orthopedic surgeon, and our pal, the living legend from Norview High School days, Coach Charles Hatcher here on seven five seven Saturday Sports Talk on ESPN Radio ninety four point one Sports Inside and Out dot com, bringing you all the podcasts and conversations with the legends from the Commonwealth and beyond here, and uh, Jerry. You know, I was told by my cohort, Coach Ed Young, if you talk to the great Jerry Kramer, you've got to ask him this question. December thirty first, 1967, the Ice Bowl. Packers-Cowboys at Lambeau Field. Ask him, was it really that cold that day? <laughs> it was minus
2: 51, I believe. Oh. Uh, uh, it, it's a chill factor. It was only like minus 17 normally but there was a little breeze and a little wind and What? We can wedge you if we have to. Run that back. So he ran the play back a couple times. That's right. Put in a wedge on you. So you know you, you you never you never know if they're going to use the play. They, they, they talk about it. Yeah, it'll work in certain situations. Obviously, it's a situational play. But blah 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 blah. It may never happen. Yeah. And if it does happen. Yard line with 17 seconds to go, and you need score to score. You're down three points. You need to score to win and go on to the Super Bowl. You don't. You don't imagine yourself putting yourself in that in position, or you would keep your mouth shut and just let some You know, let let Bart call what he wanted to call. But I found a little divot where my left foot went, and I uh, kind of snuggled it down into that divot and got me a little starting block and came off the ball well and Jethro did exactly what he'd been doing in the film and, and so I caught him in the chest and we went back about three or four yards and Mark fell in behind me and Mr. Lombardi was very happy he was yeah. he, he, he you, you, you know was, hey, Matt, that, that that game Jepro was a friend of mine and we, mm-hmm. the last time well this is
1: And said, man, you really got me. Jeffro never said anybody really got it. He said, that was his fault. He said, congratulations, you got me. This one you deserve because it was my fault. You knew exactly what he was going to do. That was very interesting because he sure talked about that in Phoenix at the Super Bowl. That was very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Steve, you were there uh, looking at some of the stuff here at your office. What, what were some of the things that, real quickly, uh, a quick little elevator, something that you saw that could be potential old fellow like Jerry when he was kicking? Well, Jerry, when he was kicking? Yeah. He's still yeah, kicking. I'm playing. Play <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, he, he was a kicker. He was an offensive lineman. He's telling us he worked with the defense, too. So he did it all, it sounds like.
2: <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you a quick couple of stories about my kicking. And I, I was a rookie, and uh, they put me in the kick in Cleveland with about 80,000 people. And I choked, and I swiped at the ball, and it uh, hardly got over uh, shoulder height, and it hit a lineman in the backside. And uh, the uh, loudspeaker guy says, and the kick is blocked. And I said, thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. But then I got the kick. I, I got the kick in New York in uh, Yankee Field in the '62 uh, championship game, and I kicked three field goals and extra point there, and I scored ten points, and we win seventeen to seven. And uh, the 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 guys voted me the game ball, and the writers, you'll love this, they voted Nitschke the game Corvette. So the offensive guard gets the football and the linebacker gets the Corvette. Now isn't that even Steven? No. That's exactly. the life of a lineman. That's what you expect.
0: Know, Jerry, I'm curious because you had two of the most iconic plays in NFL history. That block, which is still to this day uh, on Jethro in the ice ball, considered if not the greatest block, certainly one of them in pro football history. And that 62 NFL championship game where you hit that game winning field goal against the Giants at Yankee Stadium, I think it sometimes gets forgotten about in comparison to that block play and the great Lombardi soundbite where he goes, boy, Jerry, but... For you, yeah. what was more special? I mean, I know they're both very special, but was either one of the two above the other in your eyes, looking back at it?
2: Well, the, the, the one at Yankee Stadium was, uh, like, you know, it's a long way from Sandpoint, Idaho.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Sandpoint was about 2,000 people, and uh, we would have uh, meager crowds at our games and our basketball events and all of the things. And so... Uh, being in Yankee Stadium where Ali had fought in the, the, the Yankees and the history and the World Series and so much history in Yankee Stadium it was just overwhelming to walk around in it and I was, uh, I was a little nervous and I'm kicking and I said keep your head down if you don't do anything else keep eye contact with the ball through the kick and uh I uh, kicked the first field goal, and I'm still looking down, and when I look up, it's outside the goal post, and the wind again was 25, 30 miles an hour, and uh, the official is raising his hands uh, in an indication that the kick was good, and I go, "What the hell is he doing?" And Bart was right next to him, and he said, "Shut up and get off the field) <laughs> <laughs> Uh, It was about 35, 37 yards, and I aimed 10 yards outside the right goal post, and the ball came in with the wind and came down through the middle of 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 the goal post, and that was our final score, but I had to aim outside the post at least 10 yards.
0: Talking with Jerry Kramer, the Hall of Fame right guard from the Green Bay Packers, helping them win five NFL titles and a couple of Super Bowls in our Legends of Sports update. Brought to us by our pal, Coach Charles Hatcher of Norview High School fame, the living legend, Sports Inside and Out. Go check out all the podcasts and everything he does, SportsInsideAndOut.com, and Steve Cummings, orthopedic surgeon. It's ESPN Radio 94.1 here. And, um, Jerry, and kind of piggybacking on, uh, the great Vince Lombardi, um, Give me a story or two that you can share as far as what made him just so unique. I know you have countless stories of your days with Lombardi there, playing for him. You never, you know, he
2: never would let an argument leave the field or the, the clubhouse. He would settle it before it got out and got to the guys and set, set down at the bar and bitch and moan and carry on. And I'm playing, uh, oh boy, 60. behind him just seething and uh, I'm gonna hit him I've made up my mind that be suspended and be out of the fall be gone but I'm gonna hit him anyway I'm gonna bust his face and so he walks about 20 feet on past where the huddle is and he walks back and forth looking at his shoes he won't look at me I'm standing up straight I don't bend over I'm looking at him and I'm just just waiting for a, a moment to have him look at me or something, and he won't look at me. So, Bart called the play. I turn around and I walk very slowly up to the line of scrimmage, and I bend over. I don't put my hand down. I don't get in my stance. I don't run the play. I just bend over and I go back and start glaring at Coach Lombardi again. And uh, the guys all come back for another play, and I said, "Fuzz, I'm out. I'm out of here. Get the hell. I'm out of here. So I just leave the huddle and I walk over by myself and I'm down about 30, 40 yards from where the huddle is and the practice is so I'm completely removed and he waits about three, four, five minutes and here he comes and I look behind me and there's nobody behind me, and there's nobody on my right or my left or just me and he's coming right towards me and I'm, I'm wondering now what the hell has he got to say? And he comes up to me and slaps me on the shoulder and messes up my whole my hair and whatnot. Oh, I didn't mean you. I wasn't talking about you. Come on, what's wrong with you? And he, in his way, he apologized and re, he reestablished communication and he, he erased the moment that he'd lost his temper and said some things that he probably shouldn't have said. So he... he he wouldn't let that go to the to the dinner table or, or to the afterwards. You know, he's going to settle it right now. So that's pretty accurate with the type of personality he had. He was he was called Mister High Low at the New York Giants at one point, because he was up and down like a toilet seat on with his emotions. He's just all over the place. But he had a great burn. He had a great fire. And he had a great hunger to to win to, to be the best and. Um, and that's the difference in our team. That's a, and the, the major difference was the emotional involvement and the, the the power or the strength you get from emotion versus a guy who is just kind of full oh hum in a, in, a, in a kind of an average kind of way, just kind of going through things, or a guy who is really pumped and really emotional, and he's going to be in the, in the same place, but he's going to... Perform a hell of a lot better than the guy that's not using any emotion. So that's what Coach Lombardi depended upon: was the emotion, the burn, the hunger, the fire, the drive, the want, the
0: need, the whole package. And everybody yearns to hoist that Lombardi trophy and win the Super Bowl. And um, following up on that, Jerry, you know, you played for him. We only get to see the the clips that are shown on the, the networks, like NFL Network, where he's at the chalkboard. Like, you get a seal here, you get a seal here, and you run it up the alley, and you made that block happen there for that touchdown on the ice ball. And um, how do you think Lombardi, if he was here today coaching today's players, how do you think they would relate to him and he would relate to them?
2: You know, I think all the guys want to win. They, they want to show off a little bit more now than maybe we did, and they're playing their little dances and their little games and whatnot, which is fine. Uh, but we, we had a burn uh, to win. We didn't know how long we'd be playing professional football. For most of us, it was a wonderful, wonderful break. Uh, most of us were poor kids. I don't think many rich kids. Played football or violent sports like that. They went to basketball or track or band or whatever they did, you know. But um, I think he would. I think he would be wonderful. I uh, I believe that the emotion is a power, is a strength, is a add-on to your normal personality in terms of strength and and everything like that. It just makes a dramatic difference. And he, he came, we, we lost the Philadelphia game in 1960 to Chuck Seaman uh, head Charlie Banarek and the Eagles. And uh, immediately, Charlie was laying on Jimmy Taylor on the seven-yard line, and the clock expired, and we're down three points, four. And uh, Coach Lombardi, we're all in the locker room raising hell, kicking cans and throwing stuff around and just really angry and frustrated. and the first time any of us had been in a championship game and we didn't know if we'd ever be back. So Coach Lombardi finally comes in after 15, 20 minutes and jumps up on a uh, uh, trunk uh, with, full of uh, warm-ups and whatnot. He's like, bring it up! Everybody up! So we brought it up to the front of the room where he was and he goes, okay, this year we played the championship. Next year We win the championship. And everybody hooted and hollered and carried on and believed it. And then we start thinking about all the hard work that he put us through. And and the first thing he says the first night in Green Bay, there'll be trains and planes and buses leaving here every day. And some of you may be on them. We're going to work. We're going to work harder than you have ever worked in your life. And we did. We we had uh, calisthenics and we'd have guys uh, lose consciousness, just roll over and be on you know pass out. So we uh, we decided that he was right about that at that eagle loft, and that was the beginning of the Green Bay Packer organization, I believe.
0: Mm. Got two more for you, Jared, and I greatly appreciate the time I could speak with you all day and night here. And, you know, you're not only the guy that had that block, but you're the architect of a best selling book, uh, Instant Replay, chronicling the story of an offensive lineman. Uh, in your eyes, what makes a great offensive lineman?
2: Well, it, it, you know, oddly enough, I think it, 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 a small amount of intelligence helps. Um, I've I studied my guys. Uh, night and day. Do uh, you remember Leo Namalini,
1: mm-hmm. the
2: San Francisco uh, defensive tackle, Hall of Famer? Leo was a, a professional wrestler. He's like two seventy, and uh, I—he was a handful. But I started studying him, and I noticed that his feet were parallel. Niners ran a four-four-three defense. The tackles head up on the guards middle linebacker on the center so when he lined up on the guard if he was going outside his feet would be parallel he would bring his right foot up to be even with his left foot and when he was going inside his right foot would be back about a foot and a half because he was naturally right handed and he would go inside so I knew what Leo was going to do on every play and I never told anybody about it till he'd retired but I had to, I had the about the ice bowl, about studying Jethro. Jethro displayed a weakness. So you gotta have the physical capabilities, you gotta have an uh, an ability to withstand pain, and discomfort, and heartache, and a whole bunch of things. And you got to be able to play without your mama knowing what you're doing out there. (laughs) You're not going to get many write-ups. You're not going to get much notoriety. You're not going to get much credit. So uh, you've got to deal with that and accept that and do your job. Get yourself in a mind where you're not going to let the team down. You're going to take care of your business. And I played angry. I played intelligent anger, I hoped. I, I would re- imagine that my defensive tackle had uh, burned my home, shot my dog, killed my kids, raped my wife. Just, uh, I, I am gonna bust his face. But I wouldn't ever get a penalty. It was stupid to get a penalty. quite an emotional deal to get myself ready to play, but a combination of those things, and
0: That's fascinating to me. And uh, Coach Hatcher, to just kind of follow up on that point a little bit there with Jerry and and getting a chance to interview uh, a number of high school, college, and professional athletes over the years, particularly in the sport of football, offensive linemen, I think they kind of get that bad rep of being, oh, there's a big clunky guys. But the intelligence he speaks on is so really, really true there. They're, They're a brighter bunch than people give them credit for. And as you hear from Jerry, the fine details, the film study, to me separates the good from the Hall of Fame great.
1: Very true. I, it was told by one, one, one great coach that I do uh, respect, a guy named uh, Joe Gibbs. We were talking with Doug Williams one time, and he said the most intelligent uh, guy on the line has to be the guard. It has to be the guard. Everybody else can, can get a Bible. If you don't have an intelligent guard that understands the game and what he needs to do, everything really comes off the guard. And uh, he said to tackle, center, everything is pretty, I've said from the tight end, the guard has to, to be the utmost uh, intelligent type of person with a great football acumen to be able to be successful. Well, I guess that's pretty much what, uh, what Jerry personified
2: during that era that he played in. I think that's pretty admirable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed.
0: Final one for you, Jerry, and I greatly appreciate the time again. Um, do you follow these Packers much? And what do you think of Aaron Rodgers and this bunch?
2: Oh no, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glued to the tube every every ball game. Uh, I know they're playing Saturday night uh, this week about eight o'clock, so I'm already making plans for that. But I I uh I was not a big Aaron fan when he was trying to take Brett's job. Okay. I was a Brett guy. I thought Brett was a sensational quarterback and a tough kid and a lot of fun and whatnot, but. Over the years, I've been watching Aaron and watching Aaron and watching Aaron, and he is sensational. He just does a wonderful job. Uh, he, he throws that ball so precisely almost all the time. And I've always wondered, you know, I can throw a football 20 yards, 30 yards, something like that, but I can't make it dive, go over their head and dive. You know, I don't know how they... Throw that ball exactly forty-seven yards, and it lands within six inches of the receiver's hands. Right? They, mm-hmm. they, and he is just a sensational athlete, and doing a wonderful job. And, and it's a uh, kind of an interesting a combination between he and Mahomes from Kansas City. He's he's a young whipper snapper that is playing awfully well, also. Mm-hmm. But um, I love Aaron. I love his game. I love his. everything about him, so I'm, a, I'm an Aaron fan
0: from now on. Well, it'll be really interesting to see if we get a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl matchup with the Rodgers and Mahomes, and so privileged to be joined with here on the Legends of Sports update, Jerry Kramer, the Hall of Famer who won five titles with the Packers, a couple of Super Bowls, the Excellent right guard and, of course, right out of the University of Idaho. Brought to us by Steve Cummings, the orthopedic surgeon, and our friend, Coach Charles Hatcher, Norview High School fame, Sports Inside and Out. When legends speak, people listen. Sportsinsideandout.com, the website here for us on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. Gentlemen, it was an absolute treat. Uh, best wishes to you and a happy new year for 2021, all right? All
2: right, guys. Thanks for having me on and Be
0: being safe. with you. Thank you. Right. Be safe. Thank though. you, gentlemen. Right. You take care of The one and only Jerry Kramer with us right here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on ESPN Radio 94.1.